Welcome to the Culture Chat, hosted by WorkXO. Our mission is to upgrade work. Find out more about our workplace genome project at WorkXO.com. And now, over to our host for today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Culture Chat podcast. My name is Jamie Notter. I'm a partner at WorkXO. I'm here with my partner in crime, Charlie Judy. And today we are going to be having a conversation about the topic of grit, about being able to actually have some perseverance as you go after what you want to go after, um, which I think is obviously very important personally, but uh, what we're going to really dig into is how does that how does it really factor into culture. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. Uh, Charlie, say hi. Tell us, uh, tell us what's going on. Yeah, what's up, Jamie? What's up, crowd? Um, really glad to be here as always, and super excited about this topic today. I mean, I, I, it's it's one that I think is um, really easy to sink our teeth into because it it kind of hits hits home um, for us individually, and I th- I think it hits home for us organizationally as well. This this whole concept of grit. Um, we are really really excited to have Caroline Miller with us today. I first saw Caroline actually on stage this year um, down at a, at a uh, HR slash workplace conference in, in Orlando and was really taken um, with her uh, message around grit and getting grit, which is her soon to be released next book. She has many of them. She's an author. She's a coach. She's a speaker. Um, you can find her all over the press. Um, she's got a, a strong voice on on many things, and we're glad to have it here today. So, uh, Caroline, why don't we just start with your introducing yourself? Welcome. Oh gosh, thank you. Um, it's nice to join you today, and it is a topic I love. Um, so I, I'm all of those things. I'm a coach. I'm a mom. I'm a I'm an author. I'm a speaker. Um, but I'm, I've written this will be my seventh book, and um, I have been interested in the topic of grit really ever since uh, 1988 when my first book came out. My name is Caroline, and I was the first person to ever overcome bulimia and um, and live to tell the story about how I got better. So it came out at a time when people were hopeless and and kind of helpless, and I um, I became fascinated by big goals and the. Um, what it takes to actually see things through to the finish line, whether we're talking about your life or um, an Olympic gold uh, medal or um, just kind of getting an invention to the, work, to the, uh, to the public. So I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by the study of excellence, and you can't look at excellence very long without really taking a look at this new quality, uh, at least that was coined within the last 10 years, called grit. So um, that's what I do. I think about it, talk about it, work with people to cultivate it, um, and I have a lot of disruptive ideas about how to get more of it. So I'm really happy to hear, be here to talk about it. Cool. I will say we are, generally speaking, huge fans of people with disruptive ideas. So you're, you're definitely in the right place. Um, Great. So I, let's, let's – the, the big topic here, I mean, because I think we, we, would, we would all sort of become, you know, very quickly in violent agreement that grit is a good thing for individuals. But let's talk a little bit about grit and its role in organizational culture. I mean, we, Charlie and I, you know, spend our work days focusing on organizations, helping them build strong cultures that really are committed to excellence, as you said. Um, but we, we haven't really yet pushed, okay, well, then, then where does grit fit in? So, so what's your take on that? 
Well, I've got several things to say about that. I'll just start with Angela Duckworth, who really is responsible for, for this work, and it's being so popular now. Her book, Grit, is out on the market. It's a bestseller all over the world. Um, let me tell you her definition of grit, because I think mm-hmm. it really set the tone. It's passion and perseverance in pursuit of long-term goals. Now, now on the face, that sounds great. Um, however, many people hear that definition immediately get kind of get a quizzical look on their faces like well wasn't hitler gritty and it be, it invites these conversations about well when is too much grit a bad thing and i i think that's where i step in um because what i study is not just grit when it's good but also what happens when you have too much grit what happens when you're the person who can't let go of a, an idea um whose time has gone south what if you're the person who's so obstinate that you don't listen to other people's advice what happens when you're that person climbing a mountain and you get summit fever and you don't turn around mm-hmm. um you know literally and figuratively what if you're somebody who really doesn't know how to heed the signs that it's time to pivot so um, in any great workplace, what you're going to find are these challenging goals, and that's really where I started was with my book, Creating Your Best Life. My, my fifth book is, is about the science of goal setting and how it's married to the science of happiness. So I was the first person to weave all of these theories together and give the public, for the first time, um, an evidence-based book on how to set and accomplish goals and why it matters in a flourishing life. And I had a chapter on grit in there. But when you look at goals, and I work with a lot of companies, um, a lot of big companies, small companies, um, CEOs, et cetera, um, what I find is they often haven't had the science of goal setting as part of their process when working with organizations or working with their, their, their members to actually set goals that are attainable. So they might work with, say, SMART goals, which is really the tip of the iceberg, and I really take issue with the whole idea of goals being realistic. We just saw the Olympics. How many of those people mm-hmm. had realistic goals? Zero. None. That's I how they got that. to the Olympics. So mm-hmm. you know, forget realistic for a minute, please. Um, but what you find is that people don't um, have this knowledge um, of goal-setting theory, which is Locke and Latham. And I was so stunned to find out that with all the goal-setting books I owned and everything I'd ever studied, I didn't know there was a science to it. So in any great workplace culture, you have goal-setting. And there are two kinds of goals, performance goals and learning goals. And they're very different, and you have to know the difference. But the thing that ties them together and makes grit a really important topic is that you will always get best performance out of people when you have goals that are called challenging and specific, whether they're learning goals or performance goals. And they're outside of your comfort zone. And that's when people um, get absolute best performance. And the ones who get to the finish line of these really long-term goals are the ones who have this passion, patience, humility, persistence, all of these qualities that we see in people who are gritty. And so in any culture, any workplace culture or, or culture period where you see excellence, you see grit. And so you can't have excellence. You can't have awe-inspiring performances. You can't um, really knock the ball out of the ballpark unless you have these qualities of grit. And so in a generation where it's generally thought to have gone missing, which is the millennial culture, it's not their fault. They were raised without it because of all the stupidity going on in our culture today. Um, There's a very real question. If, If the people we hire don't have it, how do we cultivate it in them so that we can knock it out of the ballpark with their help. Mm. Yeah. So, so great setup here. And I mean, my, my head is swimming. There's so many places to go with this. I, I, I want to start with maybe, um, 
something a little bit more fundamental and and, and maybe this is even maybe it's too elementary but you know we we, we talk about um when we talk about culture one, one of the challenges that we see from organizations is that they they don't have the language to even really identify with it that you know people say culture they don't really know what that means um and and they don't really know how to identify with it or to point to it um, or or to me- certainly or to measure it. Are, are are you seeing organizations getting kind of methodical or intentional uh, intentional about measuring grit, um, whether it be in their prospective hires or their existing organization? I mean, are there are there ways to do that and to put to kind of put a language around it? Wow, that is such a big topic. Yeah. Um, the answer is yes, 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 yes. Now, I don't know, and I haven't um, necessarily seen people measuring um, the grit scores of their employees, and I think Angela Duckworth has had a real issue with that even being done with school children. Mm. Um, because I know some schools are actually measuring students' grit and saying you must be over a 4.0 or whatever that arbitrary number is. Um, and it may not always be called for in every city, setting. You know, I'm not sure that creativity is necessarily um, a byproduct of grit. So it, it's important to put grit in its proper perspective. And so where it's most relevant in the workplace that I'm hearing, that I saw in my interviews, are um, HR managers and um, people who are in charge of either employee morale or bringing a, work, a workforce together or hiring people they want to know how to figure out who the quitters are because what they're finding is that GPAs are meaningless. Where you went to college is meaningless. Um, and so they've, they've had to get very, very sophisticated about asking questions to find out, is, is this somebody who's going to stay past midnight when we need all hands on deck? Is this somebody who's going to insist on going to a yoga class because you know they need to chill and, and they're, quote, unquote, too stressed, which is one of these big complaints you hear in this generation um, is that they're too stressed. And so um, what I find is that, and I'll give you a great you know, example of a big, big organization, a big think tank that, that told me that when they get this stack of resumes and they have like 180 very plum positions every summer, 5,400 resumes is what they told me. First pass, they look for athletes, um, particularly ones who did sports where there were no cheerleaders. And they really like swimmers and wrestlers because they know there are no cheerleaders at um, their sports. And also they, they get up in the morning and do something very hard for its intrinsic value, not because anybody's watching them. Um, and so they like to find people who've really stuck with things for a long period of time, particularly when there's a physical difficulty. Now, the same man I interviewed told me they also love kids who come from family farms because far, the farm culture teaches you a work ethic. And he's great quote, which was, you know, the cows don't care if you're cold and and hungry. They just, you know, they need you to show up and milk them. So, you know, mm-hmm. they said, stop sending these kids to, you know, pick coffee beans in Costa Rica. Send them to a family farm if you want them to have a work <laughs> ethic, right. which really which really is an important thing. These internships are ridiculous. $10,000. Does, so, does, does work yeah. ethic equal grit? Does grit equal work ethic? Work ethic? Are they Two entirely different things. There, okay, so you'd have to have a work ethic to have grit, but it's yep. not enough to have a work ethic. Got it. So that's why grit is so, so, so fascinating. Um, it's not enough to be ambitious. It's not enough to be a hard worker. It's not enough um, to be conscientious. It's not enough to be passionate. 
what you want are people who get lit up. There's something um, that really turns them on, that they're passionate about, and they identify with something they're doing that feels meaningful to them. Um, and that particular quality of passion and then not being somebody who quits and having what's called harmonious passion, to quote a researcher named Robert Valoran, because there's harmonious passion and obsessive passion. And obsessive passion is like the jealous lover who can't let go of the girlfriend. So you want to have a certain kind of passion. Um, but then what you also want that comes with this quality that I call authentic grit, because I, I came up with a definition that I think encompasses all of that, and I'll give it to you. It also includes humility because people with this kind of grit that you want in the workplace are not too arrogant to ask other people what they think. You, with stupid grit, you see people just stupidly kind of continuing to do whatever it is. They, you know, they've got to get to a finish line. It has to be their idea. and it doesn't matter what other people think. So with the right kind of grit, you have this humility. You have patience. You have a certain amount of teamwork because yeah. when you have these gritty goals, it presupposes it'll take you a very long time to get to the finish line. So what that means is these are people who know how to cultivate the right relationships, yeah. and that's a critical factor in a flourishing workplace. Well, and I want to go back actually to the, even what you said in the beginning about sort of the importance of having the goals being challenging and specific um, which I, I would sort of agree. I, I see that as a, as, a, as a challenge in a lot of organizations. And one of the things that we measure in, in our workplace genome platform, or we do it measured in several different ways, but we get at, in this particular culture, is it a place where people can speak the truth to each other? Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to, to see if that, like, I would, and this is my assumption, so I'm waiting to hear you say, but, like, I would, I would think you'd need that sort of in- in the system in order to support that relationship building that you were just talking oh, about. And, and right. In order to support the, the clarity, like the specificity of the goal means I got to say, I'm doing this, but I'm not doing this or, you know, like, and those conversations often don't happen in organizations. So I'm wondering if that's sort right. of a piece that might connect to this. Yeah. This is another big concept. It's really important. When you look at the best managers, when you look at the research on the greatest managers, you find they're the ones who solicit feedback. You know, you see that in Jim mm-hmm. Collins's book, good to great. So they solicit feedback and they're not afraid to hear critical comments, and they act on them. That's a big difference between mediocre managers and, and you know, really crappy managers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, is that the highest-performing individuals in athletics and in, in the professional um, arena and elsewhere are always seeking feedback because that's how they self-correct. And they know they can't get where they want to go unless they're not fooling themselves and instead are using data to actually refine their approach. Some people would call this deliberate practice. So when you don't have goals or you have vague goals, there's really nothing to measure. And there's a great saying in goal setting, which is that which cannot be measured cannot be achieved. If you don't have any kind of data coming in to tell you if you're getting warmer or colder, like Marco Polo, are we warmer mm-hmm. or are we colder? Mm-hmm. If you don't have that data coming in, you're just kind of meandering all over the place. And so it's really important in any workplace that, that conversations be honest and accurate, and this leads us to a problem that we do see in the workplace now. There was this brilliant headline in the Wall Street Journal um, it just said, everything's awesome. Why, why it's so hard to give performance reviews to millennials. Why is that? Well, again, it's not really their fault, but they have been raised being told that they're all winners. This is the trophy culture where, you know, all have won and all must have prizes. So they get into the workplace, many of them, never having heard a critical word, 
you know, there's this great inflation, so their their GPAs are absurd. They're absurd. They're almost interchangeable. And so that's why HR or, um, departments just don't even look at GPAs quite often. Um, in fact, they won't always measure it as a positive if you're from an Ivy League because they think they're going to get these entitled kind of silver spoon kinds of people. So what what you really need to have are people who are going to be willing to listen to feedback and learn from it. And so in high-performance organizations, that is what you see is you see these challenging and specific goals. You get feedback, this high-performance feedback that tells you if you're warmer or colder, you kind of adjust to go in a different direction. You make sure you have the cultural support to go in that direction. Um, and then you celebrate the wins, and then you set more aggressive goals. So it's not just organizations that do that. Take a look at the Olympics. If you listen to any of the biographies of the people who just came away, these extraordinary stories, that's what they all did. I mean, if anyone wants to learn about grit, open the sports pages and read at least one Olympic story because that's what they've done. They've learned how to do it because they have this small window within which they know they can be elite and extraordinary. So one of the things that I'd like to um, explore, maybe just get a little bit more color around is, is, and and these are my words, I know not yours, but the, this, this, this balance between, um, so I remember having a, a manager at one point in my career saying to me, Charlie, man, if we tell you to take that hill, you'll take that hill. Now, there'll be some friendly fire, right? And, and, and there'll be some bodies that, that are, are left in your wake. Like, how do you find that? And I think you said authentic grit, mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. involves humility. Correct me if I'm wrong. But how, how do you find that balance or teach people that balance? Um, because I, I, to me, my natural response to grit is like, take the hill. Yeah, you know, and this speaks to the culture of, you know, what are they known for pursuing? I think Amazon has gotten a, a really rough um, reputation. Great for the kinds of yeah. Right. So, so the kinds of goals they set and the tattling that they encourage um, on other people, which, you know, is really interesting when you look at there's a Harvard Business Review article called Goals Gone Wild about what happens when you take shortcuts and mix up performance goals with learning goals. So, you know, you take the hill in the right organization. You don't in other organizations um, where leaders aren't necessarily respected. And mm-hmm. so let me tell you what my definition of authentic grit is, and then I think I have a little bit more to say about that. Um, so, so again, Angela is just passion and pers- perseverance in pursuit of long-term goals. And so I tried to clarify it and make it, you know, good grit for the right reasons in the right context. So what I call it is authentic grit. So that's the right kind of grit. And I call it the passionate pursuit of hard goals that awes and inspires other people to become better people, flourish emotionally, take positive risks, and live their best lives. And to me, that says it all. Because, you know, the the use of grit should never hurt or um, degrade anybody else. What we're looking for is inspirational performance. We're looking for this quality of um, making people want to stand up. You know, whenever we stand up for the national anthem or for, you know, somebody pitching a no-hitter like, Max Scherzer um, for the Nationals or whatever, when you see awe-inspiring performance, you stand up and you notice it. And what it does to us is it makes us want to be better people. And that's what we're looking for is that kind of behavior mm. because it, it, there's all kinds of interesting things that happen in the body chemically when we're in the presence of inspirational things, whether it's redwoods, you know, trees that are just incredible, or a sunset or the Grand Canyon or people who've done something so extraordinary 
extraordinary with their lives that we have to sit up and take notice. And, and there's something I call ordinary grit that I think we can all sit up and see all around us. I mean, what about the person who's been sober for 40 years and raised mm-hmm. a family? That's, that's grit, too. Mm-hmm. That's showing up every day and doing something hard, mm-hmm. quietly, humbly, leading other people by example. Um, there's, you know, there's a great story. This guy, James Roberson, who walked 21 miles round trip um, just outside Detroit, hit a perfect attendance record, never missed a day, grateful for his job, humble. You know, that's ordinary grit, too. Mm-hmm. Um, first-generation students going to college. So we're surrounded by it. The issue is we have to notice it and salute it because when you salute it, when you notice it, you increase the number of positive emotions and moments in your life, and all of those lead to the tipping point where we flourish. And that's what helps to create a flourishing workplace. It's not the only piece, but you can't have all this gratitude and praise and um, you know, using your strengths without also looking at are people doing hard things? And are they being recognized for doing hard things? Because there's something I call selfie grit. It's no good if you're just out there trumpeting your own horn, telling everybody about all the hard things you did. I love it. Yeah, so so there is selfie grit. I mean, I I could give you an example after. That's why I can't spend any time on Facebook anymore. It's all selfie grit. That's exactly what it is. And then there's faux grit. There's people who tell you how gritty they are, and they've done nothing. Yeah. Think Although I will, I will credit, good. I will credit Facebook for showing me uh, this video from the Olympics. I don't know, did you see this? Where the uh, it was a military guy, and he was in the doing the pole yeah. vault. And yeah. in the middle of his approach to the pole vault, they started playing the U.S. national anthem for some other event where there was a medal winner. And he dropped his pole, stopped, and stood at attention. Just completely. And waited till it was done, and then he picked his pole up and he tried again. Like that's wow, well, pretty cool, yeah. That, and what I love about that story is, sure, he's on a mission. He's a man who's trained. I think he ended up winning the event. I, he meddled. Yeah, I, I, I saw that mm-hmm. story. But, you know, um, it would be stupid grit to keep running and practicing and somehow ignoring, you know, common decency and respect mm-hmm. and humility. And so that's why I like my definition because it rolls everything together and says, you know, not all grit is good, and you have to know the difference. And I think having these little taglines like selfie grit and faux grit, um, I even have Mount Rushmore grit, which is really famous people who have changed the course of history like Malala because Mm -hmm. of what they've role modeled to us. Harriet Tubman, you know, people who really had a passion, they stood up against prejudice and they stood up against indignity like Martin Luther King. And because of how they stood up to these hardships, it was how they stood up, this dignity, this humility, this willingness to keep going even though, you know, it was dark, dark before the dawn, that's how they got followers. They didn't get it just because they had a passion. It was how they withstood the indignities of having that passion that mm-hmm. caused them to have followers, and that's what's changed the course of history over and over and over again. So you can't look at turning points in history and not see grit. Right. I mean, so it, it, if you pick up Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People, flip through the stories, grit, 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 grit. So anywhere where you have excellence, and um, and inspiring behavior, you find grit. And the problem is we're a culture and a society that has dumbed down the standards so dramatically that I think this generation, this new generation, they don't know where to start because they haven't been held accountable to the standards for what hard is. They don't even know what hard is in some some cases, and they want to know. And I think it's coming back 
but I think it's it's incumbent upon all of us to teach people what hard things are, which is why I love this, you know, up-and-coming Katie Ledeckis, I mean, these 19-year-olds who are doing hard things and showing us, you know, this is what you can aspire to. Well, and I would I would even add I think I think this is a a place where culture uh comes into it because one of the things that that we have been sort of coming up against in in helping organizations get clear on what their culture is is that for us like there is no right or wrong culture like there's no perfect culture there's a certain uniqueness to it but what makes a culture really strong is when what is valued by the culture is also very clearly what drives the success of the enterprise. And that piece, I think historically, a lot of organizations have actually been pretty weak at. The really strong cultures, when you talk about sort of what is hard, like you need to know in a culture, in order to succeed, these are the things that are required. These are the things that drive our success. And and if you can't define those well, back to the sort of clear goal piece, if you can't define those well, then I think people lack sort of, like they don't even, like it's not even a generational thing. It's like there could be a thousand hard bits of hard work that I could do that I think might drive success. But when we are as a system are really clear on that, it allows people to say, ah, then this is it. That's what I'm going to do. This is what I'm good at. This is authentically how I want to work. Like when there's that alignment, those are the places where people say things like, you know, I can't imagine working anywhere else. Uh, And so I I think there's an overlap between that clarity for organizational success in addition to sort of the hard work that, that, that is, that is something authentic you want to do that will also drive it. Well, yeah, you have to have the clear goals and you have to have, you know, the actions behind the pursuit of those clear goals that's upheld because words are words and they're meaningless until you see the behavior supporting it and being celebrated. And so that's why it's so important to have it all fit together because, you know, I can't tell you how many places I've gone in and they have, you know, some kind of mission statement like clarity is everything and then there's no clarity in the goals. And I'm thinking, what kind of mission statement is that? So, um so I, I do want to say there's a, there's a great example in the Google X organization where they've got these, you know, moonshot goals and all these people are sequestered in some kind of hidden location um, of Google where they're pursuing goals that are literally like building an elevator to the moon. One of mm-hmm. them used to be the driverless car. Mm-hmm. And so what they have are these unsolvable, potentially unsolvable goals. And they put all these really brilliant people together and they say, go, figure it out. Now, here's what's interesting. New article came out about this Google X um, kind of secret goal location program. And what they found is that they're rewarding them um, when they pivot correctly, when they no longer throw good money after bad, no longer throw good time after bad. And so um, what they're, they're not saying get to the finish line at all costs. They're saying we're also going to reward you for knowing when it's time to pivot. And that's smart. That is exactly yeah. what authentic grit is all about, not stupid grit. And it's all about getting to a hard finish line. I love that. And we, we it's, it's interesting that you bring up that, that example. We, we talk with our clients uh, as they get into the kind of the upgrade phase of their culture platform and, and when they're really designing a playbook for, for what's next. Um, we really like the tiger team concept, which, you know, basically NASA came up with when they were trying to fix the navigational systems and they threw a bunch of good people in the room and they said, figure it out. Um, Mm -hmm. We have that kind of power and that intellect in our organizations that we typically don't tap um, or we don't empower uh, in a way that, that solves problems. And, and now that I reflect on it, 
grit has so much to do with how successful those tiger teams are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really, really very cool. Um, I am conscious of time and we try to get everybody through the podcast in what is typically a, a commute of 20 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Um, we could talk about this for hours. It's, it's been a, a, such a pleasure having you here. And, and, and I, I think that we are going to find ways to explore this topic of grit in the workplace and in cultures much, much more. Thanks for, for teeing it up for us. Caroline, anything that you want to add before we close down? I will just say that if, if you want to learn more about Caroline and what she brings to the equation, and it's certainly lots, you can go to carolinemiller.com, check out all of her books and her current offerings. Anything that we may have missed, Caroline? The only thing I would add is that research shows that all of us at the end of every day, whether we know it or not, we scan our days for what we did that was hard that day. And um, the things we did that were hard are usually outside our comfort zone that we don't enjoy doing while we're doing them. But later on, that's what builds this thing called authentic self-esteem or self-efficacy. And so anybody who wants to have grit has to start with this understanding that you have to do hard things. And I think we've gotten away from that in many, many ways, starting with the playgrounds that people Mm -hmm. go to where nobody Mm -hmm. can get hurt. So do hard (laughs) things every day because it will have a ripple effect on the people around you who will then up their game too. So it starts with all of us um, and then goes outward. So, you know, when in doubt, look at yourself. That's awesome. Jamie, you want to close her down? Yeah, listen, I, I really appreciate it. Um, uh, this has been an awesome conversation. I am glad we were able to tackle the topic of grit and its linked organizational culture. Thanks, everyone, for listening today. If you were listening on the podcast because you subscribe on Podbean, awesome, but go over to the blog and subscribe there too, and vice versa if you found this during the blog. Uh, we do have it as a podcast on Podbean, I think, uh, on iTunes as well. And uh, join us again uh, in a couple of weeks for our next Culture Chat. Thanks. And that was the Culture Chat today. We'll have some highlights up on the blog soon. Find out more about WorkXO and how to map your workplace genome at WorkXO.com.